remain standing. Please take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of John, John chapter number 20, John chapter number 20. It's a Sunday night, and we're going to read about a Sunday night a long, long time ago, and uh, something real important happened that evening. In John chapter number 20, verse 19, and we'll read down through verse number 23, uh, John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. I'll read verse 19. You join me on verse number 20 and so on down through verse 23. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever uh, sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whose Soever sins ye retain, they are retained. I want you to notice in verse number 22, what it says what the Lord did to these disciples there. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Uh, I just, uh, this week, just uh, kept, uh, kept think, thinking about that, the breath of Jesus, to think of Jesus just breathing on you. And uh, I think that just tells me how close he was. And uh, I, I, just, uh, I, I just think uh, such a need for us to get close to God. And uh, I mean so close that we would even feel his breath. And let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you again for this evening. Again, help me as I preach. And Lord, I know in my mind what I want to say, and i got some notes here. But Father, I pray that you would just help us to make it clear and help us to have a clear understanding tonight of a, of a subject that's very simple, uh, yet very vital for us. And so, Father, again, if there would be anyone here not saved, I pray they'd be saved. And, uh, Lord, uh, be an awful thing to be in a church for years and end up dying and going to hell because never been saved. But, Father, I pray if there's someone not saved, that tonight would be the day of their salvation. And, Lord, I pray that you'll move in our hearts tonight, that we would be closer to you than ever before. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I, I still believe the whole book. Amen. And I believe from Genesis to the Revelation and everything in between. And, uh, I, and when I say that, I'm talking about a King James Bible. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have anything for the other versions. You may say, well, there's some good people. Well, there's some good people. Yes, I'm sure. But... Uh, it's a bad other books. There's only one good book. Amen. And it's this King James Bible. I said there's only one good book. All right. We are, we, did it say Baptist on the sign out there yet? Didn't it? Uh, and some fundamentalist Bible-believing King James. And, uh, you know, we need to stick with that. and need to realize the importance of it there. But I still believe in, in, in what it says. And I believe about creation. And uh, I'm glad that uh, I know how we got here. I think I mentioned it a little bit uh, this, this morning. And uh, I'm glad it, that it is creation, not evolution. And, uh, you know, that even, even what evolution is, is called the theory of evolution. It's what somebody thinks 
This is not the theory of creation. It is the fact of creation. Uh, our kids today grow up being taught evolution as a fact rather than a theory. And the thing is, I don't think they don't even need to be taught it's a theory. They just need to know the truth. I believe the truth is what sets us free. Uh, the truth is what we need. And uh, we, 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 we know that evolution is a theory, and I know who the author of that theory is, is Satan. And, uh, you know, Satan is alive and well, and uh, he is busy uh, seeking whom he may devour. He is busy destroying and what he's always been doing. And uh, that's why I mentioned this morning that, that there are Satan clubs now popping up in America well, for children. You know, there's always been the Satan's church and uh, the worship of Lucifer. And, uh, uh, you know, I've heard about that for years in California. It was a hotbed, been a hotbed for that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's been something that, that pretty much always has been. But uh, who would have thought that it would be a part of grade school kids now and junior high and high school kids uh, just don't just don't understand it but I know it's so and uh, so when I think about our kids being taught evolution I don't think it's a real uh, uh, big step into Satanism because Satan is behind evolution and so to take that step is not anything that is so hard to understand I think what we ought to do is be afraid of that and we need, to be, we need to fear it enough that we would make sure our children are not taught false things. Uh, the world says, well, we need to know both sides. I don't think we need to know both sides. We just need to know the truth. We need to know the truth. We're not going to have somebody in. A guy called me up one day, I think not too long ago here, this past year or this year even. And he was wanting to have a, 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 a debate. And uh, he, he had somebody all set up to debate on uh, that the King James Bible is not the, the true word of God. And uh, he wanted someone to debate with that, this professor uh, about it. And uh, I gave him Brother Grady's name, amen. And of course, they didn't ask Brother Grady to come because he would have mopped the floor with that liberal. And, uh, but uh, I, I'd have loved to have seen it. But here's the thing, you know, Brother Grady didn't do it. You know why? Don't need to debate it. The truth is already settled. It's not up for debate. We're not going to have someone come in and say, well, we're going to give you our idea. You know, uh, you keep your idea, stay away. Uh, we're going to stick with the Word of God. And uh, that's why we don't, you know, some churches today, this is what they do. They'll, they'll have service in, in Sunday school. and they go, okay, now let's read a verse. Now what do you think about it? And then you go to someone, well, what do you think about it? And everybody's got their own little ideas about it. Don't you think we ought to look and find out what God thinks about it and see what the Bible says? And uh, I think it's a way to destroy our churches. And, uh, and so our children are being taught things that will put a doubt in their mind about what is true and what is right. And, uh, you know, I, I hate child abuse, don't you? Uh, I read a story about a, some crazy woman who had uh, uh, rats in her house. And, and uh, I mean, they said there was like, uh, I can't remember, what was the number, 500 rodents in her house? And, I mean, running loose as pets. And uh, the, the stench, the dogs and cats, and the uh, ammonia smell from their uh, uh, excrements, I guess I could say. And uh, how terrible it was in the, la the, the, the woman, I was going to say lady, excuse me for saying that. But uh, that woman was, was arrested there for, for child abuse, putting her child in something like that. You know, that's just the same thing as letting children be abused by Satanism. 
about false things, about uh, causing a doubt in their minds about the Word of God. And so I, I kind of went on a little bit of rabbit trail there for a moment, but you're not doing anything tonight, so just listen to it, all right? Just, just humor me a little bit. But the thing is, what I'm saying this all about is I'm thankful for the true story of evolution. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 2, and you'll see what I, why I'm bringing this up. And if you don't, pretend you do. And I have to apologize. This morning, I think I said about the transfiguration that Paul was there. Paul wasn't saved yet. And uh, I don't know if you caught it or not. If you did and didn't say anything to me, thank you. And uh, right now, some of you are saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to pretend like I knew it, and he didn't. But uh, I knew I was wrong when I said it, but I was into something, and I kept thinking about it today, and so I thought I'd just throw it out. Hey, it's the first time in 40 years I've been wrong. But uh, all right. But uh, look at chapter number, two of cha- chapter number 2 of Genesis. Look at verse number 7. How awesome is this? Think about it. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And then what did he do? And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and, and man became a living soul. Now, I, what's really neat to me is God created man from the dust of the earth. Think of a little bunch of dirt, and he made us. Isn't that amazing? So, well, I, don't, I don't know if I could believe that. Oh, you believe there was an explosion, and then some little thing was in the water, and it crawled out, and, and, and all of a sudden its tail fell off, and it began to stand up, and then it swung from trees, and now he's sitting in, the, in, the, in, in Washington. Uh, uh, we, we have this, we have this, I mean, people believe such stupid things, but, but you know, that, that's what God did. God took some dirt and made man. And so here was man, God made him. You can imagine God holding Adam. And then what does he do? He wants to make him living. And God takes, and again, I know this is hard to think because I think about how huge and how great and how mighty God is. And God breathes into his nostrils a breath of life. And all of a sudden, you imagine this hunk of dirt that he formed all of a sudden <gasps> and began to breathe. Isn't that amazing? That's just amazing to me. And, and, and here God, God just breathed into his nostrils and he became, the Bible said, a, a, living, a living soul. And I thought, you know, what a wonderful story, this story of creation. And to think that God of this universe breathed into this creation of man and he became a living soul and, 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 and just a, a miraculous thing. And, and you say, preacher, that just, I just don't know if I could believe that. I don't know how can you not believe it when you think of how great God is. If God could speak and make, every, make everything, God could form a man out of dirt, breathe into his nostrils to become a living soul. And here we are tonight. Amazing, amazing how God is. And I mean, you know, we look and we think about, you know, I, I think about the human body. Now, I'm not going to think about it much because I'll pass out. But I think about the human body and how everything works inside us. You know, inside right now, your heart's pounding, your gizzard's doing whatever it does. And, and, and all these different organs that we got in our bodies and all that it's doing. And, and you think that God created all that. And we think, well, isn't that something 
that it's that just keeps on going. I mean, I, I didn't think today about my heart beating. It just did it. I just made sure I fueled it by eating, amen. And uh, but I, I I think boy, how 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 amazing that is. But then I look back and think how amazing it is that God made man, and then just breathed into him. I thought the power of the breath of God, the power of the breath of God. And so in our scripture in John chapter twenty, we find another instance of the power of the breath of God. It was a Sunday night. There, at that time, in the evening, the Bible said in verse number 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. So that would have been Sunday night. You say, preacher, Sunday night's important? Well, I think they were back yonder there. In fact, something real important happened that Sunday night. And so the disciples there that Sunday night, and they were all assembled together, and the Bible says, and the door was shut. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled. And so they, they shut the door, but they, 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 they shut it because there was a problem. They were fearful. They were fearful of the Jews. Remember, the Jews came and arrested Jesus, and what did they shout out about Jesus? They said, crucify him. They knew that these disciples were followers of Christ. I said about disciple this morning, I'm not sure what Sunday school maybe it was, and I said that disciple is, is, it can also be translated imitator, someone imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that Sunday night, the doors were shut, and the, and the, and the, and the disciples were fearful. They are fearful what might happen. They were fearful of the Jews. And these Jews were, they were bloodthirsty. They wanted, they wanted Jesus dead and if they wanted Jesus dead, I'm sure they wanted the disciples dead too. This was a dangerous thing for them. But you know what I'm glad about? They still went to church. You know, back yonder wasn't Fauci to keep them out. Do you know what? That, that they, these folks went to church. There was danger, but they still were there. And they still gathered together. Well, most of them did. There was one that was missing, old Thomas. I'm not sure what all about it. I think, you know, Thomas was kind of disappointed because Jesus was no longer there. He resurrected, but they, it's kind of like, you know, well, why, why go? They were still going to, I believe, preach the word of God that night. They were still going to talk about the Savior. And the thing was, they didn't know all was going to happen, but something pretty mighty happened that night, that Sunday night. And so they're all there, and they've got fear. But they were there. And then all of a sudden, the last part of the verse says, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. All of a sudden, here's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about the resurrected Savior. Oh, another, what a great miracle there. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. He did die on the cross. He wasn't just passed out. He died on the cross of Calvary. And then he resurrected. What again, what a great miracle. When I think about my, my God, I think about the wonderful miracles that took place and, and, and miracles he did, but just the fact of him raising from the dead and uh, how, 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 how special that was. And then so the Lord comes into the room there where the disciples are on that Sunday night, Sunday night church. And Jesus, the first thing out of his mouth, you see it there in the last part of verse number 19, he said, peace be unto you. I mean, think about it. Why did he say peace? 
Do you remember why the door was shut? They were fearful. They had good reason to be fearful. But the Lord said to them, peace be unto you. And so here are these, these, these disciples who are fearful of what the Jews might, what might happen. And also, too, I mean, how many times before did they see somebody resurrected from the dead walk in the room? But he did. And I can imagine they're already scared, and now they're thinking, what in the world is happening now? What if they rub their eyes, thinking, am I seeing something? Now they were. They were seeing the Son of God. They were seeing the risen Savior. And so he showed them his hands and his side. That's what it said there in verse number 20. And when he had so said, after he had said, peace be unto you, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then the disciples glad, then, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now think about this. I think at first they weren't so glad, but when the Lord said, hey, look at me. Look at my hands. Look at, look, look at my hands and, and, and hey, look here at my side. Remember how that they had kneeled his hands to the cross of Calvary? You know, on the side, they pierced his side. He said, look at it. They knew right away who that was. For sure, it was the Savior. It was not a figment, figment, uh, uh, fig figment of their imagination i was so good on that big word i had this morning in church and now i can't even get that word but that it was it was not just their imagination it was really him he was there and he said he said behold my he said uh, 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 the, the, he said he showed them his hands and his side and i thought you know it's very interesting here how he he showed them this and they realized it truly was the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he speaks again. Look at what he says in verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. Here's twice now he said this. Peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me. Notice now what he tells them. Even so send I you. He said, I, I, I want you to go now. I'm going to send you. You know, I think, again, the Lord is saying, I'm giving you peace, and they're afraid. What were they afraid of at first? They were afraid of what was outside of that church. They were afraid of the Jews. So the Lord comes in, tells them, have peace. And I can imagine thinking, well, okay, we have peace now, because we're in here, and we're okay. The door's shut. They had one of the disciples at the door watching the parking lot. Maybe. What happens? The door's all shut, and, and, and there they are. But the Lord says, all right, now, again, I want you to know, I want you to have peace. And I'm like, they're, they're probably thinking, well, you already said that. He said, I want you to have peace because I'm going to do something now. I'm going to send you out. He was saying, you'll not only have peace in the house of God, but you can have peace when you go out of the house of God. Isn't that good? God says, I'll give you peace even when you go outside of here. I'll give you peace while you're in there. And so what happened, he says, I'll give you peace. And then we find that the Lord did something in verse 22. And when he had said this, our Lord did something that he had done in creation. He breathed on them. He breathed on them. And saith unto them, receive ye 
the Holy Ghost. The breath of Jesus was so powerful that the Holy Ghost came to live within them at that moment. I mean, that's amazing. That when we think of the Godhead, we think of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And to think that the Holy Ghost comes to live within us when we get saved. But remember that the Spirit of God had not been given yet, but now here it is. And how does that happen? It's by the breath of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we need today? We need the breath of God on us again. We need God to breathe upon us. Amen. We got all kinds of knowledge. We can have degrees from colleges and universities. And and we can, even Bible colleges, we can get all these little things. We can know all this stuff. But I think there's this great need for us tonight. Not just to be in church, but say, God, breathe on me. The breath of God that can breathe in the nostrils of a clump of dirt and bring life. And the breath of a God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that can breathe upon some disciples that are there in that room that were so fearful. And he breathed on them. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost came upon them. We need the Lord to breathe on us again. No, not so that we will have the Holy Ghost. We got him when we got saved, didn't we? But we need the breath of Jesus. And I believe what it can do for us, it'll help us to be able to serve him. We sometimes are fearful. What we need to do is say, God, breathe on me. Sometimes when we know we ought to take that stand and we don't do it, it's because we're not asking God to breathe on us. To breathe on us. We need his breath. So much of the Christian life, I think we have this idea, is what we can control. But I think we understand this. There's a lot of things we cannot control. But God can. I don't understand everything the way it happens, but I know this and why things happen. But I know this, that God's still in control. I look at Washington, D.C., and I think way out of whack. But you see, I don't serve a president I serve a Savior. The answers are not in Congress. The answer is in God and His Word. We desperately need the breath of the Lord once again. But the question is, how can we have the breath of the Lord on our life? How can we have God breathe on us? I think it's really kind of simple. We've got to get close to Him. I am, while I'm preaching right now, breathing. And that's a good thing. And breath is coming out of my mouth when I preach, but you can't feel it. And you're probably glad you can't smell it, too. But you can't feel my breath. You know why? There's distance between us. The breath is there. And God's breath is there. For us to feel his breath is to make sure we're close. You ever hold a little baby in your lap? And the little baby's sitting there, and you feel their breath on you. Smells like curdled milk. (laughs) But no, seriously. Just to feel the breath of that little child. 
tells you how close you are. You ever been in love? Well, you really look like you don't know what I'm talking about now. But you remember, remember when you were in love? I'll put it that way, okay? Wasn't to feel the breath of the one you love on your skin? Great. You know what that meant? You were close. You were close. And this is what I think the Lord is trying to show us here that I don't believe that God breathed in from a long distance on Adam. I believe God got right up, and the Bible says he, he, he breathed into his nostrils. God got real close. And, he was, and there in the story in, in John, Jesus was not outside of there. He came inside and was real close and breathed on these men. Of course, Adam was close to God when that happened because it wasn't about Adam being close to God. It was God being close to him. And God breathed on him. But it came down to the story we're in here in John. Those disciples had to be where Jesus was or where he was going to be. For we know that there was one disciple not there, and that was Thomas, wasn't it? Thomas wasn't there, and you know what? He missed that breath of the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord, finally, he came to church on a Sunday night and the Lord showed up. But he missed it that day because he was not close. And I'm afraid that we're going to miss much of what God has for us. We'll miss the blessings. We'll miss the power of God when we aren't close enough for his breath. You see, you never know what you might miss on a Sunday night. That's why I think it's important to be in every service all the time. You say, well, I don't know. You know, uh, sometimes this happens. You know, people, they, they want to, uh, uh, this will happen to folks who don't go to church much. They say, can I sit down? I need to, need to talk. And, and that's fine. I'll, I'll talk with folks. But a lot of things that I preach about could be taken care of, can take care of problems rather than having to sit down and talk about it. Now, there's times, and I, and I don't feel, you know, you're, feel free to come and talk to me anytime you need to. But the thing is, a lot of things people have on their minds and they don't want to do, they find out the truth in the Word of God. Sunday school. I can't express how important Sunday school is as we listen to the teaching of God's Word. And then in morning preaching, you say, well, that, I really like that time. And thank the Lord, and we get preaching there. We need that. And then Sunday night, God speaks to us again. Wednesday night, God speaks to us. Revival meetings, God speaks to us. You see, the importance of being there, and that's what I see in this story here. For Thomas didn't see it that important. I can imagine him thinking, what's it going to matter one Sunday night? He missed something big, didn't he? You know, God knows what we need. God knows the sermon that you and I need. And sometimes I wonder as I prepare a sermon, I think, you know, well, God, is this really what you want? And, and I, can't, I can't see it, but I know this, that God has a reason to lay a sermon on a preacher, to preach that sermon, because we need it. I may not, I may not see the response that I would like to see, but I can say this, God, I preached what you wanted, and I did it because I believe that's what you wanted, and somebody needed it. 
I sat a lot of time in church and didn't get close enough to the breath of the preaching. And I missed it. But when your heart gets right and you want to get close to God, the breath is there. And it will change your life. God knows what we need. So what can happen if we're there and the Lord is close enough to breathe upon us? What can happen? Well, let me give you a couple things. One of the things is this. He'll turn our fear into peace. Verse 19, we talked about this already. These disciples were fearful because of the Jews. The Jews wanted to kill them. And I think about there's things that we fear that we don't need to fear. I remember as a little kid, did you do this too? I used to get afraid of some things. And I'd be afraid at night. And, of course, we lived in the Chicagoland area and all the crime that was going on, even back then. And I remember some, at night, we'd get scared. And we would lock all the doors, go around and, and make sure all the doors were locked tight and all the windows were locked because people would break in at night. And it was just a, just a horrible place, really. Uh, things went on. We, we kind of got used to it in a way, but we were always scared and we feared. But I, you've heard me tell it. I always felt better when my dad got home. I didn't fear because I knew dad would take care of me. Jesus walked in the room and said, fear not. Peace. Peace. You know what the Lord will do when you get close to him? He'll bring you peace and you won't fear some things. You don't need to fear. You say, preacher, what do we fear sometimes? We fear death. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to die. I don't want to. But I know if the Lord tarries, it's appointed unto man once to die. I'm not afraid of where I'm going to go. I don't want to die. I don't want to go through the process. I want to go to heaven, but I want to go by way of rapture. Amen. I want to go by way of rapture. I want, I, want the, I want to have the trumpet sound and rise. I'll be fine. I don't want to die. I don't want the doctor to say, you've got a few more minutes. And I'll be upset because I don't want to die. But I'm glad I know where I'm going. And I won't fear death. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, amen to that, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to fear dying. You don't want to. But I know this, when I take my last breath, I'll be absent from this body, but be present with the Lord. Isn't that good news? Y'all look like you're happy about that. I mean, we'll be present with the Lord. And so I don't fear death. I, I don't want to go through the process of it, but I don't fear death because I know where I'm going. Why? Because he who is peace came in. I felt his breath as he said, peace be unto you. We know that the, if the Lord should tarry, we will die someday. I'd rather think of that rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. You know, I'm glad it's not Peter coming down. I want to meet Peter, don't you, someday? We'll have all eternity to meet Peter and Paul and, and, and John and all the rest of them. I think that would be wonderful. John the Baptist, want to see him too. And, and I, I mean, so many we can talk about there. But you know, when the Lord, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, I'm glad the Lord's not sending somebody. He's coming himself. With a shout, the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We'll let them have a head start because they're already six feet lower than us. Amen. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear failure. I hate to fail. As much as I failed, I ought to get used to it, but I'm not. I like to fail. I like to have victory. I like the song, Victory in Jesus. I mean, if we had a song, Oh, Failure, you know, in the Christian life, I wouldn't want to sing it. And don't think about writing one either, Seth, all right? But uh, I, I, I like victory. I, I want that. I, 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 don't want, I don't want failure. But sometimes we fail. But, you know, even when we fail, it's not really failure because we can learn from our failures. When I learned to ride a two-wheel bicycle, I failed. But I learned how to ride from my failures. Have you ever done something and found out, whoops, that doesn't work? Like gasoline on fire. Whoops, that doesn't work, right? And what happens, we we find out from our failure sometimes of things that don't really work, but we learn from it, and so we don't need to worry. And, and, and this way we are sometimes, we feel that, well, you know, if I try to live this Christian life, I'll fail. Oh, no, just get close to the Lord, let him breathe on you, and we can, he can turn the failure into victory. The Bible says in Romans eight thirty seven, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, sometimes we fear death, we fear failure, we even fear rejection. You know, if you, if you get rejected, may I tell you this, you're in good company. Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. They rejected him. And family will reject you. Neighbors will reject you. Out soul winning people will reject you. I remember uh, Rex Sr. will go soul winning and I've been thinking about him this week and I remember how that uh, he came to our church. He was going to commit suicide. And uh, just felt like there was nothing to live for. And he came to the revival meeting with Brother Domley. And he walked out. Didn't get saved. He walked out. And someone said to him, he was telling about his problems. And he said, well, at least you know you're going to heaven. And Rex said, no, I don't. He said, you better go in and talk to the preacher. I am so glad that he turned around and came in to talk to me. And we sat in that office there. And I took my Bible and I showed Rex how to be saved. And Rex asked Jesus Christ to come in his heart and save him. They began to grow in the Lord. I'll tell you what, what, what a great soul winner he became. Even in the sickness, the cancer that he had, he won many, many people to Christ. I remember going to see him at the hospital, and all of a sudden a nurse walk in. He goes, hey, preacher, this, this girl here, this nurse here, she got saved this morning, didn't you? And she goes, yeah, I did. And, and, I mean, just excited. But you know what? Before this happened, before he was so involved in soul winning, he came and went with me. And I couldn't get him to talk because he was afraid of something, of rejection. I remember sitting in the car. You know, we had a ladies group with us. The ladies went to a door, and we're sitting in the car, and he goes, Pastor, I, this is my problem. I fear rejection. I just don't know what I'll do if someone rejects me. Well, thank the Lord while he was going with me, we had some really nice people. And he didn't, he didn't see that rejection. He started thinking everybody's going to be that way. He found out differently. But you know what? It came to a place where you didn't fear the rejection anymore. You're in a good group of people because so many were rejected. I think about John, exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Rejected. So the disciples, the Apostle Paul, spent a lot of time in prison. Why? People rejected him. 
They rejected Jesus. I think about Noah. How that all that time and, and, and the people all that time building that ark. And I think, man, you know, how did he keep doing it? I believe he stayed close to the breath of God. He was rejected by everybody. The only people that got in the ark with him with his family. He would talk to people for all those years and no one would listen to him. They rejected him. But he kept on building. He didn't give up. He didn't quit when things went wrong. I think what it was, he stayed close to the breath of God. Oh, thank the Lord for his breath. Rejection will come. Just stay real close to the Lord. Close enough to feel his breath. Sometimes we fear the unknown. Zacharias and Elizabeth were wanting to have a baby. Boy, they were getting old. And I'm sure I'm glad that God, most of the time, gives babies to younger people. Amen. I ain't got the patience for it anymore. I like little babies, like little kids, but I'm also glad that those kids, little babies, are not my kids. They're my grandkids or they're your kids, and they go home. But here they are, they're up in years, and they still want a baby. They're not thinking, I mean, they haven't had one. They're not thinking about what's involved in this. But God had everything in their control. They didn't know what was going on, and all of a sudden, Zacharias, he gets news. And what happens? The Lord reveals to him, guess what, Zacharias? Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby. Now, I can imagine, it's finally, they've been wanting a baby, wanting a baby, and now he's older man now, and all of a sudden he's thinking, good night. You say, where's that? That's in the Greek, good night. He said, good night, what am I going to do now? Well, Zacharias, you're going you're to trust God. And God spoke to him and told him, I believe he was so close to the Lord, he felt the breath of God, and he didn't worry anymore. And God gave him a son. John the Baptist. What a great son, huh? I'm sure I'm glad they didn't believe in abortion. I'm glad they believed in having the child and here thinking, here they are up in years, and yet what happens? God blessed them in a mighty way. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, it says, And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Oh, getting close to the Lord is, is a good thing, isn't it? You know, I don't know what the future may hold, but I know who holds the future. We stay close for the breath of God. But his breath also does this, it makes me glad. Verse 20, when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad. You know, uh, they were glad because they saw him, but they were really glad when his breath was upon them. How blessed we are to have the Holy Spirit live within us. How blessed they were that night when Jesus Christ breathed on them and the Holy Spirit came to live within them. The disciples were so happy because they knew that what they saw was really Jesus. And because they believed Jesus, they got close to him. And Jesus breathed on them. The Bible says in Psalm 92 verse 4, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad 
through thy work I will triumph in the works of thy hands. You know, the Lord will really make us happy and he'll make us glad, won't he? Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. Listen to this. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy that we can have. Again, it's not in Washington. It's, it's not in, in, in any political party. Joy is not in our sports teams. Joy is in the Lord. That's where the joy comes from. These folks here, they're in the, they're, they were fearing one moment. Next moment, they're glad. They're happy. I was thinking, you know, happiness and gladness is a choice that we make. I'm just not happy. I, I know. I know sometimes, but here's the thing. We choose what to be happy about. Were the Jews still hating God's people? Yes. But they were glad because Jesus was there. They were glad they were so close that the breath of God's Son was upon them. You know, I thought, if your party winning elections make you happy, you're going to be happy very seldom. If you're only happy when it's warm outside, oh, I feel really guilty now. You're only going to be happy for a few days of the year. But if you'll be happy and glad because of the Lord, you can be that way all the time. Amen. Be close to him. With his breath, he commissions us. Verse 21, he said, so send I you, the last part of it. He once again said, peace be unto you as my father hath sent me. Even so send I you. He said, I'm giving you peace, and now I'm sending you, and you can have peace knowing where you go, I'll be with you. Thank the Lord for that wonderful peace. I believe that what he does when he calls, he equips us, and then he sends us. You know, Beam and Charity are traveling all around and, you know, on the highway, and, and uh, uh, poor Beam has to have his wife drive him. That's got to be scary, amen. Yeah. Oh, boy, maybe not so scary. You guys right now are afraid to say anything. But uh, here's wife's driving all around. It's, it, it, they're traveling all over. He, in fact, he sent me a text yesterday. He's, they were in Louisiana, but today they were going to be in Texas. <laughs> T-A-X-E-S. He's going back to Texas. My wife said, I, I told her, I said, I talked to Beam today. I was on the phone with him about a half hour. She said, what did he say? I said, I'm not sure everything he said. He's talking. I'll give him one more chance. I'll be listening to him. He'll be talking, you know, and I go, what? And he'll say it again. And if I still don't understand it, I figure I might as well give up on it because I ain't going to get it. And I go, oh, okay. So I don't know what he's saying. If he was at the Catholic Church preaching, I don't know. But uh, I, I can't understand everything he says. But, you know, you know that, it's, that's got to be a scary thing. They just go from place to place to place to place. But God says, I'll be with you. I think they found out this. As they travel, they've got to be close to the breath of God. His breath commissions us. We've got to be close to him. And uh, I thought, again, about Adam. Adam was really close to the Lord. The Lord breathed into his nostrils. And those men were really close to the Lord in that room. The door shut, and Jesus breathed on them. 
And so the Lord, on that Sunday night, commissioned them, said, I'll send you. And I thought, you know how that the disciples that Sunday night, it was the Holy Spirit. And you know that the Holy Spirit can guide us too, as the Lord sends us. Don't be afraid, boys and girls, young folks, don't be afraid of what God might call you to do. Be willing to do it. And moms and dads, don't be afraid of what God might call them to do. So I don't want to ever say goodbye to them. I know we don't want to. But I'll tell you what, it's more dangerous for your child living in your house than it would be in the darkest places in the world today out of God's will. If they're in your house, you've got to have them in God's will no matter what it is. You see, but I, I you get close to the Lord, you feel his breath. You feel his breath. And then we have the conclusion to this message. And that's this. Jesus wants to breathe on you. He wants us to be just as close as we can that when he speaks to us, we feel his breath. We feel his breath. Walk with him. Talk with him. Get to know him. And let him breathe on you. I'm glad that he wants to breathe on us. And I say, breathe on me. I need the breath of God once again. All of us do. But if we're ever going to have the breath of God on our lives, we've got to get close to him. Like I gave the illustration, even the boys, I mean, you're the closest ones to me right now, but you can't feel my breath. You'd have to come up here closer. And sometimes we look and say, well, you know, I'm pretty close, and you might be like the boys in the front row. I think that shows us how much closer we really need to be to the Lord. I guess maybe we ought not be satisfied tonight how close we are. We ought to desire to be closer, so close that we feel the breath upon us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for this time tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Lord, and I think of that that. That, that day, that evening in that church, you breathed and the Holy Ghost came upon these people. Thank you, Lord, for your breath. And tonight I pray that you'll breathe on us. But Lord, we know that the only way we're going to feel that breath is to be right near to you, right close. Lord, I pray tonight we'd be a bunch of folks in this church that say, Lord, I just want to scoot over closer to you. I want to get right with you. I want your breath to be upon me. Oh, Lord, what could happen if the breath of God was felt by all of us? Breathe on us. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Maybe you're here this evening, you're not sure you're saved. You need to trust the Lord as your Savior. You can't feel that breath until you get saved. I wonder if there'd be anyone tonight said, Preacher, if I died right now, I don't know I'd go to heaven, but I'd sure like to know that, and I believe Jesus saved me if I ask him. Would you slip your hand up, anyone? Preacher, I'm not sure of salvation, but I'd like to know it. Christian tonight. How close are you to the Lord? Preacher, I'm saved. I have no doubt about it. Well, thank the Lord. Now I'm glad for that. 
Uh, Thomas was a saved man too, but he wasn't close to Jesus and missed the breath. This evening, are you real close to him? So close that God can breathe on you. And then your fear will be gone. And you won't fear doing what God wants you to do. Why, you'll quit putting it off and start doing what God says. When you lose that fear because of the breath of the Lord. May we all tonight say in a prayer, God, breathe on me. Father, bless now this invitation. I pray your will be done. and Lord, we take this serious tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Should we stand?